The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 75 for October 23rd, 2006. <sighs> you know, I blow that so many times and we start over. And you You're know what? I'm not going to start the- over this time. We're just going to go with it. <laughs> Folks, and welcome to the Mac Observers, Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton. Hi, John. How are you? We can't redo. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, just keep it rolling. It's fine. It's live. We don't want to waste. Rolling. We don't want to waste tape, right? Not so. one second of our listeners' time do we want to waste. Want to squeeze the most out of every That's precious right. moment. So today's show is about uh, feedback. Uh, listener feedback, specifically in regards to syncing, sleeping, and Skype. And I think there's one other S that we're going to get oh to. Oh, my. Here. Oh, my. Uh, but you know what? Uh, there, there's some birthday wishes to be sent out today, John. Do you know that? Uh, yeah. To Go whom? ahead. Do you know? No. Oh, well, first of all, the uh, Spring it on me. The, the gentleman who plays uh, the, the opening guitar riff to the show celebrated a birthday on Saturday. So we'll, we'll say happy birthday, Matt. But uh, the iPod celebrates its birthday Today, it is five years old as of today, the 23rd of October, 2006. Oh, there you go. Did Um, you get it? Anything? uh, No. Buy your iPod like a new case or maybe a new song. Polish it up or, you know, charge its battery. Take it out to dinner. (laughs) Wine and dine it. Uh, So some of you may notice that this show is. is larger than previous shows that you've downloaded. Some of you may also notice that this show is in stereo. Uh, no, it's not some audio trickery that, that we're just trying to appease ourselves with, uh, though there's an excuse to do that. And the excuse is there's been an issue uh, since iTunes 7 came out. Many of you have noticed that when you play this podcast and, and, and many other podcasts on your iPod, the, the show will start and then instantly it'll reboot. And we've gone through all sorts of things, resetting the iPod, like completely reformatting it uh, has fixed that issue for some people, Um, changing the way the shows are loaded onto the iPod, of course, reverting to an older version of the firmware uh, definitely helps. There's some speculation that it has to do with gapless playback. Apple was initially a little bit at a loss about it. They confirmed that the issue existed, but they didn't really know how to, to deal with it or what was causing it. Um, I, I did talk to him today after someone forwarded me some feedback, uh, from, uh, one of Leo Laporte's shows. I talked to Apple. It, it definitely is related to the EQ function. If you are having, and, and it's related to mono podcasts or mono MP3 files in general podcasts being the most common mono file you might have on your iPod. So to kind of stem that tide, we've, we've chosen to record this show in stereo. The other way to get around it presumably, though there's no concrete evidence about this, is to turn off EQ on your uh, on your iPod. So if you go into the settings and go to the EQ and turn it off, some people say that that helps. It, again, it's, it's all sort of up in the air. Uh, a fix is being worked on. But until then, let's use this as an excuse. Some of you have asked us, how come you don't release the show in stereo? How come you don't have, uh, you know, stereo tracks? John panned a little to the right. Dave panned a little to the left. We're trying that. Let us know what you think. I'm not convinced that we're going to stick with this 
going forward once they fix this issue because it does increase the size of the files, which obviously costs you more in terms of download and space, and it costs us more in terms of bandwidth. So <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, to let you all know. What do you think about that? John? All right. Well, get on with it, man. We got to save space here. I mean, that's great. Thanks. It's yeah, an experiment. We're on the we're on the bleeding edge anyway. So we are on the bleeding edge. Are we? That's one step beyond the cutting edge, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we are going to, let's get right into it uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way. I always love that. People say, let's get right into it, and then, you know, it's five minutes in. So here we go. go. Hey, John and Dave. Bill C. here from Victoria, Australia. Great show. An outstanding range of topics of interest. Very worthwhile. Please keep it up. I have a question that you may be able to shed some light on. It appears there's a recurring problem with the .Mac sync services. The Apple support forums are filled with unhappy users all reporting the same or similar failures. I personally have not been able to sync calendars or contacts since September the 8th, and this is the third such outage in the last 12 months. Considering I pay the best part of 200 Aussie dollars for the service, the silence from Apple is a real concern. Are you guys aware of anything? I've been a Mac user for well over 20 years, and obviously when this stuff works it's brilliant. But you come to rely on it, and when it fails, considering we pay so much money, uh, people get really upset. Be keen to hear if you've heard anything or aware of any issues. Cheers. You know, John, if we copped accents like that, we'd double our listener base. He sounds so nice. Uh, yes, I must agree. Yeah. Uh, I have seen an issue like that. I've had, as you, as you know, I've ranted here about problems I've had with iSync, or .MacSync, rather, um, and I've found that oftentimes the best way to get things back in business is to go ahead and delete your computer from .Mac Sync. So you go into the .Mac system preference, you go to the, I believe, advanced tab, yes. and, uh, and, you'll, and you'll see a list of all of the computers that are syncing to your .Mac account, including the current computer. And it'll say in parentheses, this computer. Highlight that one, remove it. And then come back in and and kind of reset up all your syncing. Oftentimes, that will solve exactly the problem that that uh, that you're talking about there, Bill. So that's uh, that's the advice I have. Do you have anything to add to that, John? No, fortunately, I've never had that problem. I actually, I'm looking at my list. I have three uh, three machines on the list, and I sync uh, two devices, a Palm and a phone. But no, every everything seems to uh, get along. Well, that's so good. I think I got lucky, but it, it could be a driver issue or yeah, the corrupted data yeah. on one of the uh, sinks. So yeah, just, uh, just hit the reset button. There you go. All right. And uh, speaking of syncing, Jeff has uh, something else to ask that I believe you were talking about, John. Hey guys, my name is Jeff. I live in Melbourne, Florida. I have a question about syncing uh, my iPod. I've got a uh, dual 1.8 gigahertz uh, G5 Power Mac. And whenever I uh, connect my iPod and it, it does the actual syncing, you know, transferring the podcast from the computer to the iPod, it just brings my entire computer to its knees. I constantly get the uh, spinning uh, pizza wheel and was just wondering if that was a fairly common thing or if there's something uh, screwy with my setup. Got my iPod pod plugged plugged into the uh, USB port on the front of the Mac, so it should be USB 2.0. Uh, so any thoughts you guys might have on that? Any suggestions for things I might try? Let me know. Uh, you can reach me. Go ahead, John. 
What do you got for him? All right. I actually just solved a problem involving this uh, similar issue. Uh, okay. The iPod in question was a Nano. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is you would hook it up to a computer to immediately say, do not disconnect. Mm-hmm. Like, even before the computer saw it. So I suspected there was something uh, not right with that particular uh, device. And so I was trying is what people would normally try, which is try to do a restore. Now, you know, th- that now is seems to be an iTunes, uh, the latest version. There's actually the uh, thing that shows you the status and whether you want to restore it. It wouldn't show up there. It wouldn't show up anywhere. Now, there are a few things you could do. There is a reset in the newer model iPods and also the older models. On this particular one, you had to take the hold button, turn it on, turn it off, and then hit the select button in the center and menu. And after several seconds, it would uh, reboot. Uh, and you see an Apple. You may have never seen that before. Well, yep. probably after a firmware update. So then, when it's uh, rebooting, if you do select, again, the center button, and... Um, Rewind, it runs some diagnostics, which are interesting. They're all in text. You can move up and down using the, uh, you know, the, the I'm sorry, the right and left keys. Okay. But anyways, there's a whole bunch of things there to test the, the device to see if it's okay. And all the tests seem to indicate the, uh, you know, the, the device itself, at least the raw hardware, seems to be working. Sure. So then if you do a reboot, and this took a little more work to find, and I even tried to run some of the uh, older iPod up utilities, and if anything, they said, you have more than one iPod hooked up. Stop that. It's like, really? Huh. huh. So it was in a state, I suspect what happened is, um, the, you know, the, the primary user of this is non-technical, and I'm sure they disconnected it from whatever machine. It was a Windows machine, not that it matters. Um, well, it does, and I'll go into it that might. in a sec. yeah. Um, but no, it's... Uh, you know, it was just dead. <laughs> so, um, so how'd you revive it? Uh, so basically, to revive it was the other mode here, which was to reboot it. You know, hold on, hold off, select menu, and then do select and play. And what it does, it's kind of a target disc mode. If you uh, yep. know about that, yep. But it's the only time on the front of the machine you'll see a check mark instead of a stop sign, and it says OK to disconnect until right. it thinks it's hooked to a computer. All of a sudden, the uh, utility, like in the past, you know, if anything, it would see that there were two, you know, would claim there were two iPods hooked up. Um, Once that was uh, done, the update utility, uh, actually in iTunes, all of a sudden said, hey, there's a new iPod here. You want me to restore it? Ah. So apparently it put it in a mode where it it was convinced it was there. I I don't know exactly what was corrupted. Sure. Anyways, if you run into this, this was a toughie because... Again, when any machine I hooked it up to, it wouldn't see it, and it would just sit there saying, do not disconnect. So that's a way to really, really uh, reset it. Cool. It was a toughie. So that may do it, because, I mean, have you ever seen slow transfer speeds? I, I have. I, I've where had... it drags the machine down? I've, well, no. I've never seen... No, not, not, not to that degree, no. I, I have seen it where the, the iPod will start sinking and then stop. And it thought it was a hardware issue, but but doing exactly what you said, putting it in target disk mode and and then wiping it clean, uh, has has restored it. Um, mm-hmm. At least at least so far, it was one of the ones that uh, that Lisa's using now, and it. Um, I think it's it you know it was three or four months ago, and it's still fine. So. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's that. Uh, we talked about all sorts of uh, different applications to add or to enhance the Mac's ability to accept keyboard shortcuts, and Butler was one of those apps, and we got some of it right, but Bastion's going to set us straight. Hi guys, this is Basti from Germany. Well, at first I'd like to apologize for the poor audio quality. Um, well, 
my condenser mic broke, so I have to use the internal one. Ah. And it's not that good. <laughs> well, in show 74, you said we should correct you if you got the point of Butler wrong. And you got it wrong completely. <laughs> it's not about some searching the web thingy or some uh, menu bar item. It's about shortcuts. It's just about shortcuts. Well, you can uh, add whatever you want into Butler, an application, for example, or an Apple script, or yes, a link to a, to a website, and you can you can uh, add some some triggers to it. So you can, for example, say, okay, I'd like to be application GarageBand to be Control Option and G. So you press this combination, and Butler will launch. This one, or for example, you can type an Apple script right into Butler. So, for example, emptying the trash or whatever, and you press this command, and there's no script thingy popping up and starting the script, but the script gets executed right inside of Butler. So you can simplify all the tasks you have just by by using Butler. And furthermore, with this uh, web search thing you talked about, you can also um, assign keys combinations to some uh, web search, for example, Google or Amazon or eBay. And if you press this key combination, a little window pops up and you can just type in your search phrase, for example, MacGeekApp, and press enter. And this will open your default browser and um, can search for this item. Yeah, that's the thing about Butler. Um, it can do much more. Just play with it a couple of times. And you will see what the real power is behind this. And the great thing, it's free. And yeah, I love it. I use it every day. Well, it's just great. Thanks for the podcast. It's really, really, really great. Do a great job. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bastian. That's uh, that very helpful. Appreciate it. Eric sent in a an uh. email question. And, you know, normally we prefer the audio type because it gives us a little break and we can sip on our tea or whatever it is that's around. But... <laughs> this one was very interesting, so I wanted to run through it. Eric says, I recently purchased a Western Digital hard drive. Unfortunately, I come to find that the drive does not respond to unchecking the put disks to sleep when possible in system preferences setting. According to Western Digital support, this is because of an internal mechanism within the drive forces the drive to spin down after 15 minutes of inactivity or 10. He can't remember. And there's no way to get around it. He goes on to say it's very frustrating and has some questions about how, how can he deal with this. He tried to set an iCal alarm uh, to run an Apple script, but he can't do that often enough. He can, that, and that's, or at least not a recurring one often enough. He asked if there was a way to use it, do it through this with Apple script, and, uh, and if not, what to do. I, and no, I don't think Apple script is, is the way to go here. There are... Um, you would need something to trigger that Apple script. And frankly, it's, it's a whole lot simpler than that. All you need to do is trigger some activity on that drive and you're good to go. Unix has a command called touch. And what it does is touches a file. You, you say touch and then give it a path to a file. And Unix then just goes out and, and, and does what it says. It touches it, updates the modification time, but doesn't add anything to it, doesn't do anything, just touches it. But that's usually enough to trigger some disk activity or at least some perceived disk activity. Hopefully that'll keep this thing going. Uh, 
the way to the way to deal with this is to use another Unix facility called cron. So so you'd say touch and then slash volumes slash hard drive name slash uh, dummy file. And then it would every, you know, anytime you ran that command, it would update dummy file on the root level of your hard drive. To run that, you're going to use a Unix utility called cron. And uh and instead of running through a whole lot of that here, it, cron is something much easy, much better explained visually. There is an article on Mac OS 10 hints that actually talks about exactly how to do this with cron, with the touch command. So it dovetails perfectly here. We will simply link to what they're doing. Uh, and the cron command is, is the way to go. I did want to talk about uh, something else. That doesn't help Eric. Eric's problem is is in the drives firmware, or the, at least yes. the, guts, the guts of the case, right? So there's I did some research too. Okay, shame on them. Sh yeah, shame on them. They, yeah, very very bad idea. I understand their reason for doing it. They want to save the drive, but there should be some way to it, it, even even an advanced mode where you can just say, "Look, just turn that off." Did you find anything in your research that would that would indicate that that's an option, John? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, it says, please note, this is a permanent feature of the drive and cannot be disabled. Permanent feature. Bug I we didn't notice in production. Or, or, yeah, it's, yeah, it's on the Western Digital site. So it's okay. a, a certain models and the WD MyBook, which... Yeah, uh, that's what it is. It's a Western Digital the model. MyBook. My book, USB, external yep. drive. Yep. That's one of them. So I would say the way to solve the problem is not to get that type of drive. Right. <laughs> and if you don't have that type of drive, then you can use the, the little checkbox. But the checkbox, I believe, turns off the disk after, I believe it's 10 minutes of inactivity. However, all that checkbox is doing is issuing yet another Unix command. If you go to the terminal, there's a command called PMSET, Power Manager Set. All lowercase, no spaces. And if you just run that command, you'll actually see an output of many different options that are available there. Uh, one of them is called disk sleep. And using that, you can set the number of minutes that your disk will wait for activity before it puts it to sleep. And this is, again, not the disk putting itself to sleep. This is Mac OS X telling the disk, go ahead and go to sleep. Um, and so what you do is you issue PM set then a hyphen, and then either A, B, C, or U. Now, B is battery, C is charger, U is on UPS power, and A is all. So if you want to just say, look, I don't want to sleep any of my discs for 60 minutes no matter what, you do PM set dash A, disk sleep, 60, 60, and then that would do it. If you want to only do it for the battery, obviously. Very, very cool command, very, very handy. In fact, it dovetails into another thing that, uh, that we found out. I only found out about it this week, but I've noticed the symptoms of it for quite some time. The first time I traveled with my MacBook, I'm in a hotel, you know, doing my thing, and uh, it's time to go to bed. And so I closed down the MacBook, and I noticed when I close it down, the power light on the front of it lights up bright and stayed that way for a long time. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And then finally, Ew. yeah, finally, it... It starts glowing, and I heard the disc crunching and everything. I'm like, oh, okay. You know what else does that? Yeah, I do. Windows machines. <laughs> and uh, apparently, for the last year, so any, I think the last wave of PowerBooks and then all of the Intel-based laptops 
all have what Apple is calling safe sleep. And what safe sleep does is essentially enables, it, it, it's another word for what the Windows world has known for years as hibernate. It takes the contents of your RAM, saves them out to disk, and then what's happening here is with, hyper, with true hibernate mode, the contents of RAM are saved to the disk and the computer is totally shut off. Then when you turn the computer on, it notices that this hibernate file is there and instead of just booting the machine from scratch, it reloads RAM from the hibernate file and bam, you're left where you were, but your battery wasn't used to preserve the contents of RAM while it was asleep. What safe sleep does is it saves it out to this hibernate file and then it goes to sleep like it normally would, using the battery to save RAM. However, if the battery cuts out, then it can revert to the hibernate file and all is not lost. Make sense? Does that make sense, John? Wow. You know, that sounds like a very good feature to have for some other upcoming features that... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what I'm thinking. But, well, I, I don't know what you're thinking. What are you thinking? Hmm. Well, time machine for one, but... Yeah, yeah, it could be. That's true. That's true. All right, so... And, and that's all fine and good. However... There are ways to control this. And again, we go back to the PM set command. And I, I think actually before, when I mentioned the PM set command, I think you've got to prefer, uh, preface it by with sudo, S-U-D-O or sudo um, mm -hmm. to, to run as a super user. So it's sudo space PM set space whatever. With, with this, it's sudo space PM set space and then let's say dash A space hibernate mode. And I believe there's five settings, and you can see these. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to yet another Mac OS X Hints article, I think. Actually, um, it might be there. I'll, I'll put links to, to both that and, and then a widget that I'm going to tell you about uh, in a second here. Hibernate Mode 0 will turn this off completely. Okay. Um, hibernate Mode 1 will force it to go to sleep, I believe. Um, force it to go to shut off and then uh, and then there, there's some others that uh, depending on whether you're using secure virtual memory and, and that sort of thing there's a widget called deep sleep though that the first thing it does is disable this so it sets hibernate mode to zero and you're you're totally back to the way it used to be when you put your your macbook or macbook pro to sleep it just instantly goes to sleep no problem if you want to go into hibernate, though, you can go into deep sleep, this widget, and tell it, go ahead. And it sets the mode to whatever it needs to be set to, I believe three. Um, so, yeah, zero is no hibernate. One is safe sleep, which is go to normal sleep, but save the hibernate file just in case. And then three is hibernate no matter what, I think. But, but check the check the check the website. I believe it. it, it I may have reversed one and three, um, but that that's how that works. And then this widget called Deep Sleep at deepsleep.free.fr will uh, let you manually select when you want it to hibernate. So okay. let's say let's say most of the time you're just carting your machine back and forth from home to work, and it's only off for you know at, at worst a day, but but usually many 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 hours at most. You don't want it saving this hibernate file, but if you're going to be away for a week and you just want to hibernate your machine, then you'd use this deep sleep widget and bam, it, you know, shuts it down and you're good to go. So the one nice thing about turning off hibernate mode is you get 
some space on your hard drive back. I've got two gigs of RAM in my mm. machine. And so I've had this this disk sleep file sitting there. It's actually, it's called a var slash var slash VM slash sleep image. And it's been two gigabytes just sitting there. And I don't use it. I have no desire for it. So that's, uh, at least I don't think I have a desire for it. Yeah, I hope you're, uh, yeah, you may want to be careful. But anyways, um, now, just, just want to mention, if you want to learn about some of the commands that Dave was talking about, like touch and cron and PM set, of course, you can go to the terminal, which is in your utilities folder, which is inside of your uh, applications folder, and type man, M-A-N, in the name of the command. With a space Sometimes they aren't quite a... Yes, of course. So man, space, touch, and it'll give you uh, whatever's built into OS X, which will at least give you a start, though, uh, of course, you may want to go to the uh, hints articles, which will give you the real deal. There you go. Always worth a mention. Man pages. Somebody wrote them. Our long-term sponsor, of course, is uh, is TeachMac at TeachMac.com. TeachMac is an interactive training environment that allows people to build modules, long modules, short modules. Uh, some come with TeachMac. Some are built by third parties. And these modules have either text and pictures or audio and text and pictures or audio and movies. The, their module maker makes it really, really straightforward to to create modules for this stuff. And, you know, I was listening back to our keyboard shortcut show, and I couldn't help but think, wouldn't mm. it be cool if we had some modules to go along with those shortcuts, right? And And really, what would be really cool is if some of you would just take a couple of minutes and create modules. We could create, like, a little Mac Geek Gab section in Teach Mac to use these, to... to hold all these modules and if you create the module and it's out there and somebody buys it or buys a subscription to teach mac you'll actually get a couple of bucks out of it but more than that you'd be helping anybody who's looking for this help and you'd be helping us because you're helping the sponsor that's help paying for what we're bringing to you this week so if any of you are in the mood uh let me know or just go out and uh, and try it well i'm going to go ahead and and create one or two as well but uh, but I'd, I'd really think it'd be cool if we could all sort of get together and, and see if we can't create this Mac Geek Gab section on, uh, on Teach Mac. I think it's going to be great. What do you think, John? Create one? Hey, maybe we'll create one this weekend when you're up here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's no? do it. Okay, that's good. We should try it. So you know what I'm in the mood for? What Knowing mood what for? number you call if you want to ask us a question. That would be 206-666-GEEK. <laughs> And I believe Brian called that question not not recently, but not that long ago with some very tasty tips. Greetings, gentlemen. This is Brian from Boulder, Colorado. A brief note, if I may, in your most recent podcast, number 71, you mentioned, well, uh, shall we say, frustration with getting iTunes video to television. I can't fix the political multimedia issues, but <laughs> Who can? you also mentioned the use of the iPod in conjunction with docs and the like, and that can be simplified a bit. What I'd like to mention is that a standard one-eighth inch to red, white, yellow RCA cable, common for camcorder use, can be used to pipe video direct from an iPod to the TV or VCR. The trick is that Apple crossed the wires, uh, so to speak. You really? must plug in the white cable into the red port, the red into the yellow, and the yellow into the white. Then turn on TV out on the iPod and you're set. It's an attempt to get you to buy proprietary accessories, no doubt, 
but it's easily foiled by a $5 cable. Just thought you might be interested. Have a great day. Thanks. You know, Apple's gotten really good lately about adhering to standards and and that sort of thing. And I even tried a three-way cable that I got with my camcorder, and it didn't work, no doubt, because I didn't think to reroute everything. Mm. Is there a reason that Apple's doing this? Does anyone know of of some other non-economically driven reason to to do this? Is is there something about... Oh, I... Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. No, you're right. It's the connector conspiracy. That's right. Oh, as some of us have heard it referred to. That's right. His real name's not Brian, by the way. He is. Uh, that's a pseudonym. We'll we'll just we'll right. say that. That's right. Mr. X. <laughs> Mr. X, a.k.a. So, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> like I noticed my prior PowerBook. Yeah. 12 inch. Yeah. Had one connector for the video adapter, which gives you S video and RCA. Uh, this Which I again? Use a combination. Huh? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Have I talked about this? But I when so, I got yeah. the new one, it had a, a different adapter. Why? Right. Why? It's the connector conspiracy. Or oh. maybe better said as the connector conspiracy. There. There you go, John. I think you just did an echo that I couldn't hear. Yeah, but well, I will on playback, right? Will. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, all right. Are you? Are we uh, d- done with that, or are we moving moving right along? What? Oh, that. Yeah. Moving along. Moving along. All right. Uh, Homer has a question that uh, we might actually be able to answer. Hey, John, Dave. This is uh, Homer all the way down from Saudi. Guys, I just ran into a problem, yeah. and I definitely, definitely need your help on. Um, I managed to mount a network drive onto my Mac. It's working great. Except when I want to hook up my airport, when I look under the network properties, all the three uh, buttons are green. Airport, built-in Ethernet, Ethernet adapter. They're all running fine, but only either the airport will work or the network drive will work, but none of them will work simultaneously. So if I turn off the airport, my network drive works great. Uh, if I do turn the uh, airport on and want to surf, I have to shut down my, uh, my mounted drive. Um, hope you guys can help me out with this. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I have, uh, I have a couple of suggestions here. One would be, are you connecting to the same network with both your ethernet and airport? I mean, I've got it set up here to where I can, they're, they're both the same. I'm either plugging into the router via an ethernet cable or I'm plugging into the router effectively via a wireless connection. Yeah. Yeah. Let's assume for the moment that that's what what you've got there. If it's not, and you've got two totally separate networks happening, one only for surfing the internet on airport, and one only for connecting your computers together on Ethernet, well, then that's why this is happening. But for the moment, let's assume that that's not the issue, and that it's all one network. It could be, could be, that you do not have Apple Talk enabled on the airport um, device there. Uh, in in your in the network preferences, Ooh, good one. Yeah, good one. I, I'm not entirely convinced that that's it, but I, I have seen that cause problems. I know you can only have airport enabled on one adapter at a time, and and by adapter it, it can be physical or or virtual. Like, although I guess in this case, airport is a physical yeah. adapter; it's just wireless. But uh, okay, that's I, good. I believe that 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 would be. That would be the that's the only thing I can really think of I, again, unless there's oh, some I got, routing I got, issue. I got so- Excellent. I got something. Bail me out, brother. <laughs> well, maybe 
Um, but it's in a network, I believe. So yeah, you go to a. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Sharing. Yeah. Internet. Internet sharing, maybe. How's internet sharing going to impact a? Well, it sounds like he's having problems drive. connecting between two different networks. Perhaps. Clear to me. He, he First says off, the protocol used for the initial connection, that's not clear to me. The network driver protocol is being used. I don't know if it's Apple Talk. It could be. So that wasn't clear to me, but I'm just wondering if, if enabling uh, internet sharing, which you know allows the various yeah. networks to see one another, if that could help. Just a thought. I guess that's true. Yeah. Something if it is try. two different networks, that will bridge them together. Uh, it sounds yeah. like a bridging or routing. Ugh. Could be. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Tell us more about your setup there, Homer, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can't. Uh, if if we didn't hit it, we'll uh, we'll happily oh. happily take another whack at it. This is, we'll call oh, yeah. this the pinata problem. Let <laughs> him down. Oh. Maybe we didn't though. We don't know. We don't know enough. It's clear. Should have asked him more. <laughs> All right. So we did say that this was syncing, sleeping, and Skype, and so uh, we better we better. Oh hit, my. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Hey, John and Dave, this is James Marino in New York City. Hi, it's uh, Friday, Ooh. and I just had a quick question for you. I was wondering if you could um, either let me know about a, um, a previous show that you've done on Skype and how to record Skype phone calls for a podcast like you guys do, or if you haven't covered it in the past, um, if you could just uh, quickly explain the process uh, I see there's a bunch of different ways to do it through Audio Hijack Pro and maybe a way of rigging GarageBand to do it, but I thought I would ask you how you guys, the pros, do it and um, maybe uh, be able to do it on my own. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the podcast so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Flattery will get you everywhere, James. I think he called the wrong number. <laughs> um it, we did Pros. explain. Oh, we did explain the whole uh, the whole setup thing in episode number thirty two, and indeed at the bottom of of each set of show notes, we sort of describe. Well, we describe the routing of the setup, uh, and you can then listen to to number thirty two to hear what we're doing here. And things pretty much haven't changed since then. Maybe some minor tweaks. Of course, today's show is in stereo, so there's some panning happening. At least I hope. Uh, that said. Audio Hijack Pro, in a nutshell, is your best bet, especially now uh, that they're up to, uh, I believe it's version 2.5, 2.7 rather, allows you to, when you hijack a Skype connection, it will actually hijack both sides of it. So you'll get your outgoing audio as well as the incoming audio without even thinking about it. it. It just automatically does it. If you don't want it to do that, you certainly can. You have to go in and tell it to turn off, uh, I forget what they call it, Mega uh, mega Mix uh, is automatically on for iChat and Skype, and you can go into the advanced settings uh, when you hijack an application and, and turn that off. And it, and it will, and, and you can have it even separate outputs by channel so that you've got left channel being one thing and right channel being another and then you can use the advanced routings and audio hijack to split those out into two separate files if you like and then import those into GarageBand and mix them and you can go nuts but something tells me all you want to do is record the Skype channel and if you just hijack it and hit record you're good to go so audio hijack pro I was talking with that gentleman who uh, plays the opening guitar riff uh, on the show not that long ago 
And we were lamenting about how when we video chat, sometimes we send each other to websites. And it's a pain. I, I know you've experienced this, John. You go to visit a website, and all of a sudden music starts playing. And you hate that, don't you? Yes. Don't you hate I that? despise it. And you've looked in vain for the volume knob in your browser. A control browser. somewhere. Sometimes, yeah. rarely, I'll see it if it's usually a uh, I think, movie file. I think the browser should That's... have its own volume slider just globally for the entire browser. Right? Just it right really... there at the bottom. Wouldn't that be nice? I agree. Okay. Well, they it doesn't, put that in the next version. Oh. They should. But for now, what you can do is run Audio Hijack Pro create a new session and hijack your browser and then then all you got to do is hit the mute button in audio hijack pro and never again will your browser make noise and if, <sighs> if you want it to you can go back in and unmute it but truly a beautiful simple be elegant idea and uh, and i have to credit uh, matt there with the with that so yeah because yeah. assaulting my eardrums, that's that's crossing the line. Well, you know, and especially if you're in the office and, you know, you got all kinds of stuff going on. I, I don't know. Yeah, just, I mean, flashing, blinking text is bad enough. But Remember those days? There's a point where... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's just over the top, if you ask me. You remember. What's that? You remember. I do uh, remember. Uh, it was terrible. I can use every font... That exists for my Thank page. goodness, though, the blink tag isn't supported by Safari. It's not good. I don't think so. Oh. I can't get it to oh, work. That was bad. <laughs> Maybe I'll try and blink all the text on TMO's homepage tomorrow just to see if anybody's running a browser that supports it. Right. That sounds like a wise move, huh? That's a sound financial I move. I think you're going to get a lot of mail. <laughs> a lot of phone calls. Uh, you know what? I, speaking of getting mail, though, I, I, I think I've, I've renamed my, uh, my FedEx guy Santa... Because every now and then he just shows up with stuff. And today he showed up with something that was so cool. Spec recently released the see-through hard shell for the 15-inch MacBook Pro. I, I hadn't even heard about this product. Yeah, I know it came out last week. I, I You know, sometimes things just don't hit my radar. This one didn't. It's a pla It's two pieces of plastic, okay? And it's either clear or the one I got, which is the one I would have picked anyway, is... Uh, it's, it's see-through, but it's red. And so you, you take these pieces of plastic and you put one on the top of your MacBook Pro on the outside, on the case, and one on the bottom. There's slots and holes for the CD and your video and sound and power and all that stuff. And even a little, not a cutout, but a, a thinner section for the glowing Apple, right? And you snap these things on and boom, now you've got a totally protected MacBook Pro and you didn't have to stick any stickers to it. I did it while the thing was on, which I'm sure they don't recommend. And uh, and it took, you know, the better part of 60 seconds to uh, mm. to do this. And it looks great. I tried later. I tried, you know, I unplugged it from everything and and closed it all up. And uh, it looks good. It's totally protected. If you ever wanted to have, uh, you know, put stickers on your computer, but you're not the kind of person that actually wants to put stickers on your computer, well, here's a here's an option. You buy one of these things, put the stickers on it. It, it looks awesome. Everything fits through the ports. I, it, I could I can't say enough about it. It, it awesome. I was worried though about temperature, John. Ah, uh, and I think I lost John there. All right, John's back. We, uh, I'm not sure when we lost you, John, there. But anyway, this, uh, it, I was worried about temperature with this, with this 
uh, this this shell, this this see-through hard shell for the MacBook Pro. If anything, it's actually running cooler. I, I tested it with SMC fan control. It's I don't think it's actually running cooler, but but it it's it certainly doesn't negatively impact the temperature at all. So uh, uh, for forty bucks, I don't see why you wouldn't want to get one if you're a MacBook Pro owner. And presumably, Specs going to come out with these for uh, for other current laptop models as well. So there you go. So it protects it. It protects it. So if you're real klutz, this is something you got to get. I think you want to get it anyway. I, I mean, I just I don't see why you wouldn't want to get it. I, I, again, I've only used it for a day, so maybe maybe that that hasn't been presented to me. But I certainly can't see why I would ever take this thing off of my computer. So <laughs> that's that. I think I'm done. Two zero six 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 geek, Mac geek gab at macobserver.com. Teach Mac at teachmac.com. A5 speakers from AudioEngineUSA.com. Uh, vote. Vote. MacObserver.com slash podcast. MacGeekGab.com. It's nice to have you back with us, John. Hey, I'll see you this weekend. Yeah. Dave, you have anything to tell the people? Don't get caught. Made up.